Good morning, third service. How's everybody doing? Well, good. It is great to see all of you guys. Uh, before I start, can I share a little farm story? You guys get sick of my farm stories? Okay. Uh, we have four barn cats. One's never left the house. Uh, three leave, come and go as they please, and one is a super good hunter. And we have like thousands of chipmunks around our, you know, in the woods and our little farm there. And uh, there, I know you guys love your little chipmunks, but they are destructive little suckers. And so I love it when my cat finally catches them. And uh, this sucker, he catches them left and right. Well, the other day he caught one and uh, he's, you know, carrying it to the house and he plops down and he drops the chipmunk there and the chipmunk's laying there, you know, kind of like, you know, whatever. And so it kind of flops and it's like, oh, oh I'm, I'm so wounded. And it's like keeping an eye on the cat and the cat's like looking at it like, I could catch you anytime I want to. And it's like, oh, I'm so wounded. It's hopping away. It's hopping inch away, inch away. And all of a sudden it goes, and runs up the tree and gets me. And the cat tries to catch it and couldn't catch it. So um, <clears throat> my son told me that story, that that's what he did. And it's hilarious. So, But his name's Roscoe. So pray that Roscoe gets a lot of chipmunks and doesn't let him go like that. All right, if you need a Bible this morning, hold, you, hold up your hand. If you need a pen, hold up a couple fingers. If you need $500, hold up two hands like this. We'll get that to you. All right. Well, guys, we are a couple of weeks into our fall series so far. And as I mentioned last week, uh, here's kind of the format that we're doing in this series. Uh, first, we're going to look at a characteristic of our compassionate God. And then and we're going to see, you know, what, of, what is our God like and, and how we can live in that and, and experience that and be set free from our little prison cell to be ex- experience his compassion on that. And last week we studied uh, about how forgiving our compassionate God is and how we should receive that forgiveness and live in that forgiveness and not just keep pushing it away, not keep um, say, staying in our little prison cell and, and, and rejecting it, but receive it, bask in it, live in it. It's powerful. God's forgiveness is powerful. And I trust that you actually pondered that this week and that you actually um, allowed yourself to soak in God's forgiveness this last week because it is a life-changing thing. Now, uh, this week, what we're going to be doing as part of the format is we're going to be looking then at how Jesus taught on forgiveness and how he himself modeled the Father and how he lived out forgiveness in his life. And then hopefully, then we're going to see how we live out a life of forgiveness by imitating Jesus. Um, like we said last week, when we imitate Jesus, we imitate God. And that's what we were created to do is to, to image the very essence of who God is. And so um, hopefully we'll learn to do that as we Im- imitate Jesus. So our topic is forgiveness. And to begin with, I want to try to get us to understand forgiveness a little more. Um, I'm not entirely sure that everybody fully grasps what forgiveness is. I think we live in a world that has confused it some. Um, for instance, I think Christianity, there's, um, there's anything in between, but there's kind of two spectrums when it comes to forgiveness. Uh, I've seen two approaches to it. Uh, some Christians live in a constant guilt and, and just scared that God is going to just pour out his wrath on them and it's going to smash them down and they have to live a completely perfect life to receive God's forgiveness. And those kind of people have messed up God's forgiveness. They don't understand it, okay? But then that's one end of the spectrum. There's the other side of the spectrum where there's the people who, uh, they basically can do whatever they want because they have God's forgiveness. To them, forgiveness is God not so much... um, 
approving their actions per se, but more like turning a blind eye to their actions. I can do this because God is forgiving me, and I can do that because God will forgive me. And I, I know it's wrong, but God will forgive me, and so I'm okay. Christians who look at forgiveness like that, they've messed it up. They don't understand God's forgiveness. Um, here's a simple definition for forgiveness that I'd like for us to use. Um, forgiveness basically is releasing someone from any claim that you have for revenge or payback. It, it's almost like someone has incurred a debt against you and you legitimately could make them pay it back. You could make them pay dearly for it. You legitimately could hurt them bad because of what they did. And, you know, payback would be brutal. But instead, what you're doing through forgiveness, you're releasing that claim that you have of revenge, that claim of any payback that you deserve, and you're letting it go. You're releasing the debt that's owed against you. You're, in a sense, ripping it up. And that's what forgiveness is. For instance, in God's case towards us, forgiveness means that God let go of the right for his righteous vengeance to be poured out on us. Notice I said righteous vengeance. It would be right for him to pour it out on us, but he doesn't. That's forgiveness. Like the Israelites last week, remember how they just kept you know, whining, complaining, and sinning against God? The, the, God was going to destroy them, and he deserved to destroy them. He had every right to destroy them. But forgiveness meant that he set his rightful revenge aside, and he released the debt that they owed him. Okay? And there's all sizes of forgiveness. There's big things that we can forgive people for. There's little things that we can forgive people for, and then basically everything in between. There's all sizes of debts that we can release people up. Now, something I've noticed um, in this world is forgiveness is not something that is often celebrated. It's almost to the point where it's looked upon as a, as a weakness in someone's life. Um, what this world loves is revenge. It loves revenge. And there are a ton of movies out there that the entire focus is on the revenge of something evil done to someone. The entire movie, they're trying to seek revenge for it. And you know, we're cheering them on. We're wanting revenge to be had. Justice has to be served. And I get it. We want justice to be served. We just do. I remember in high school, I was a sophomore in high school, and I was on the varsity football team, and I was also in marching band. Talk about two opposite spectrums there. In football, you wear your pads and, you know, your helmet and you look all tough and you smash into other guys and you look tough and, you know, you wear a jersey in school and people respect you and you're like, yeah, that's right, I'm on the team. And, you know, you feel good about yourself. In marching band, you wear these tight little pants with stripes on them and then this little blousy, frilly little thing in the front and then you wear a hat with feathers all coming out of the top of it. And you get out in the field and you're like, dun 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 that was a song that we played all the time. And it's like super embarrassing because your friends are up in the stands going, what a moron. Look at Luke out there. Well, I was on the, uh, the uh, football team, and because I was on the football team at halftimes, which, you know, on Friday nights, the, at halftimes, the marching band would go out in the field and they would perform the halftime show. But because I was on the football team during halftime, I would be with my team, you know, getting a pep talk from our coach while the halftime show was going on. So even though I was in marching band, I wasn't part of the halftime performance um, during football games. But 
I would still practice it every single day of the week during band class, okay? So we would go out there and we would practice on the field and do our little motions and everything and try to practice. Well, one Friday, uh, we got clobbered by some team and we got beat pretty bad. And so on Monday morning during band class, we had band class at 7 a.m. every morning and uh, we were out getting ready to go out and practice the halftime performance for the coming Friday. Uh, and a senior was there. He played baritone, and he was ripping on the football team. I mean, he was just making fun. He's like, oh, it sure would be nice to do a performance for a team that wins. And, you know, these guys stink, and they're just ripping on and ripping on. And he's a senior, and I'm a sophomore, so I'm staying to be quiet. And he just keeps going. And he's using colorful language. And I, I got to tell you, this guy, he was, he was a huge jerk. I mean, he was just mean to everybody. He was a bully, and... Um, he was like, he came from a super rich family, so he just spoiled, got whatever he wanted, and he was just one of those kind of guys, and he's just ripping on the team, and, and I, I got it up to here, and I turned to him, and I says, dude, be quiet, and he goes, excuse me? You know, he's looking at a little sophomore guy, he's like, excuse me? And I'm like, dude, just be quiet. You don't even know what you're talking about. And he walks up to me with his baritone, and, and this guy, he was wearing cowboy boots, because we live in Arizona, a lot of people wear cowboy boots. And he goes, what? He was like, he had a look on his face, and then he went, wham! And he kicked me right in my shin. I mean, smack dab on my shin. And I was like, oh. So I hand my trombone off to my friend, and I'm like, put down your baritone. He's like, what? What are you gonna do about it? I'm like, put down your baritone. So he puts his hands up to somebody, or puts it down, whatever, and he walks up to me, he goes, what? What are you gonna do? And so as hard as I could, I hit him on his left shoulder to where he kind of spun like this, and I grabbed him, and I picked him up, and I threw him to the ground, and I jumped on top of him, grabbed him by the throat, and I said, don't you ever do that again. And I was ticked. Now, I told that story at a discipleship class, and... <laughs> I could kind of sense it here. You guys were wanting to, but at the end of the discipleship class, everybody started clapping. And there, there was one person who was like, oh, I really want to clap right now. And I get it. It's a cool story. It's got a happy ending. I kind of like telling it. Makes me feel good about myself that I did that to a senior. But you want to know something? That was the easy way out. Getting revenge was easy. It was natural. It just came out of me without even thinking. Guess what would have been the hard thing to do? Guess what would have taken supernatural strength for me to do? The absolute hardest thing for me to have done in that situation that would have required true help from God would have been for me to forgive him, to turn the other cheek, to pray for those who mistreat me, to release the claim for revenge against him. I mean, what I did, he deserved. He had it coming. It was legitimately okay for me to do that in the world's eyes. He deserved for me to put him in his place and stop his actions. And to release the claim that I had to do that would have been incredibly hard. But I've often wondered, what would, have Jesus, what would Jesus have done there? Because the Jesus that I see in Scripture, I don't think he would have done what I did. The Jesus that I see in scripture, when they come to arrest him for doing nothing wrong, he's only done good. Instead of fighting back, he lets them arrest him. 
He knows and trusts that his father is in charge. And, and when Peter, thinking like I would have thought, picks up his sword and like, no, no, you don't, and he chops off a dude's ear, Jesus picks up the ear, turns to Peter and says, Peter, put down your sword. Those who fight by the sword will die by the sword. And he heals that person's ear. That's the Jesus I see. The Jesus I see while hanging on the cross, soldiers mocking him, spitting in his face. They've pounded thorns into his head. People are laughing. People are ridiculing him. People are saying things like, oh, you're the son of God, are you? Well, big boy, why don't you get down off that cross and prove it to everybody? And they're all, ha, 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 they're all laughing at him. And the Jesus I see says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Father, release the claim that we have to absolutely destroy them. Forgive them. That's the Jesus I see. And you know, the fact that Jesus did that is such a phenomenal example to all of us. We have no idea. I think we, we read that story, we hear that story, and we just kind of gloss over it. We've, we've heard it so many times, it's not that big to us anymore. But the fact that he forgave those who were mocking him and spitting on him and ridiculing him is something so huge. We need to take time to ponder that. Think about what the father was feeling. Guys, I can tell you this, if somebody were ridiculing and mocking and spitting on and killing my son as a father, I would step in and I would do my best to destroy them. I would. And these people were doing it to the son of God. You know, I, I remember one time in Bible school, there was this little staff kid he was a little pain in the neck. He was just always a nuisance and always being a little brat and got whatever he was wanting. He's just spoiled. And he's just always, whenever he's around, he was just like, oh my word, get out of here, Sam. And one time we were shooting hoops down in the, in, in the basketball court and he comes up and he's trying to take the basketball from us and finally he gets it and he runs away and we're like, I'm like, Sam, give it back. And he's like, no. I'm like, give it back now. And he's like, hey, come and get it. And I'm like, and I said, Sam, give me the ball now. He's like, no, you're gonna have to come and get him. I'm like, I'll come and get it, you little. So I chase him down to the corner of the, the gym and I grab him, I throw him down, rip the ball from him. And I'm like, you know, I'm gonna teach this little boy a lesson. And I ripped up his shirt and I gave him a little pink belly. Have you ever got given a pink belly before? And I'm all, and I'm just right and he's like screaming and 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 I'm like, dude, don't you ever do this again. I'm gonna teach you a little lesson. And my friend at that point's like, hey, Luke, uh, that's enough, bud. And I'm like, no, he deserves it. And he's like, dude, seriously, it's like, cut it out. You know, stop it. And I'm like, no, he's going to get like this. And I'm going, and I'm ticking. He's like, Luke, stop. And I'm like, why? And all of a sudden I hear this voice, what are you doing to my son? His father had walked downstairs. I didn't even know he's there. He walked into the gym and he sees me doing a little pink belly on a thing. So I'm like, oh, I'm just a little pink belly. I'm having a little fun over here. And the son gets up and he's like, no, daddy, he was hurting me. And oh my word, did I catch the wrath of this father. And it's deserved. I mean, he, he, I was hurting his son. But that's just a no-name son. Imagine the son of God. And I can imagine the heavenly father going, you are going to pay for doing this for my son. And what does Jesus do? He goes, Father, forgive them. Don't take out your revenge on them. Let's let go of our claim to retaliate and let's forgive them. Wow. That kind of forgiveness should rock our world. And if Jesus could do that, there, hanging on a cross, 
I'm pretty sure if Jesus was in a marching band and got kicked in the shins by a cowboy boot, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have thrown him down, grabbed him by the throat, and made a fool out of him in front of everybody else. I'm pretty sure that whatever Jesus would have done would have somehow involved forgiveness because that's what his father is like. And Jesus perfectly imitated his father. In fact, what I've noticed is that forgiveness is a natural quality and attitude of the kingdom of God. In other words, in the kingdom of God, forgiveness is part of the landscape. It's part of the culture. And if you pay attention to Jesus, he's talking about it all the time. In fact, even in the Lord's Prayer, he, he, he says, this then is how you should pray. And he says, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then he goes this, he goes, forgive us our what? Debts or our trespasses as we what? Forgive those who trespass against us. Right there in the Lord's Prayer is a talk on forgiveness. The way the kingdom of God works is that forgiveness flows onto us and then we allow forgiveness to flow out to others. God forgives us, we forgive other people. If we don't forgive other people, God doesn't forgive us. One depends on the other. That is typical in the kingdom of God. That's common practice in God's activity. Look at this other verse in Luke. It says, do not judge or you'll be judged. You ever thought about that? I mean, you want to sit around and be a judgy person and just judge people all around you, fine by me, but just know this, you will be judged like that. Jesus says, don't condemn or you'll be condemned. You want to be a person that goes around and condemns everybody, fine by me, but just know this, you're going to be condemned like that. And then Jesus says this, he goes, forgive and you will be forgiven. This is the culture in the kingdom of God. Forgiveness is just part of everyday life in the kingdom of God. And when someone chooses not to forgive, it's a breach of conduct in the kingdom of God. And you know what? It's dealt with very severely. Check out this story that Jesus told. The story, it's found in Matthew 18. And you can read the whole story later. But Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, and I don't know if he was struggling at the time. Somebody was you know, bothering him or sinning against him. I don't know. But he comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive someone? Is seven times enough? I mean, that's good, right? Seven times? And Jesus goes, no. Seventy times seven. 490 times, Peter. Now, let me ask you, third service, was Jesus giving us a cutoff to how many times we should forgive? Like, was, was he saying like, all right, Johnny, you're at 489. You do one more time, I have to forgive you. It's done. I'm finally met my quota. Is that what Jesus is saying? No. Jesus was basically saying, listen, in the kingdom of God, we forgive and we forgive and we forgive and we forgive indefinitely. There's no cutoff. There's no end point. We never stop forgiving. Now, I want to stop for a second and just pause and I want to ask us a question. Why is that such good news for us to know that in the kingdom of God, we are to forgive indefinitely? Why would that be such good news for us? Because that means God's forgiveness doesn't have an end point either. It means that he continues to forgive and forgive and forgive over and over and praise God for that. Amen? Let me ask you guys, how many of you are well over your 490? I am. Not proud of it, but I am. 
And thankfully, God keeps on forgiving me, keeps on forgiving me, keeps on forgiving me. And therefore, God expects us to keep on forgiving one another. Jesus goes on to tell the story. You've heard the story. It's the story of the unmerciful servant. And he, he goes on to say that, you know what, there was this king who was going through all of his accounts and he was like saying, okay, let's see who owes me what. And he came across this one account where the guy owed him, like in modern day, something like $68 billion. And he goes, hey, bring Johnny in. He owes me $68 billion. So Johnny comes in. He's like, Johnny, you owe me $68 billion. And he's like, oh, my word, give me time. I'll pay it back. And he's like, you'll never be able to pay it back. And he's like, well, uh, just please, please. And he says, nope, I'm going to throw you into prison. Your wife, your children, I'm going to throw you into prison. And he's like, no, please. And he begs the king for mercy. It says in Scripture that the king had pity on him. And he says, you know what? I'm going to release you of your debt. You don't, have, you don't owe me a thing. And the man went away rejoicing. He was so excited. He's walking home, and he's walking by his friend's house. I'm sure his name was Billy. I think it's in Scripture. It was Billy. And he knocks on the door, and he realizes Billy owes him like $5,000. And so he's like, hey, Billy, you owe me five grand, bro. And he's like, oh, Johnny, I'm so sorry. I, I will pay you. Just give me some time. He says, no, I want it right now. He says, I don't have it right now. He goes, you know what? If you don't pay me right now, I'm calling the guards. They're going to throw you in the prison. He goes, I don't have it. So he called the guards. He threw the man in prison. And the guards were so upset with what they saw, they went to the king and they said, hey, king, you know that guy that you released for $68 billion? He threw a man in prison for 5000 The king goes, What? Calls the guy back and he goes, how dare you? How dare you? I released your debt of 68 billion and you're gonna throw a man in prison for five grand? You know what? I'm gonna take you and your family and I'm gonna throw you into prison. Then Jesus says these words. He goes, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now those are sobering words. As I said, there's a severe penalty to not being willing to forgive others. We must. And notice what Jesus says. Notice he says, we must forgive our brother and sister from where? Our heart. In other words, it isn't just lip service. It isn't just words. Like it was, remember when we were little kids and we would get in a fight with our brother or sister and the moms would come and split us up and say, now, Lukey, you say I'm sorry to your sister. I'm like, say I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and then she'd turn to my sister and say, you say for, I forgive you. She's like, I don't want to forgive him. Uh, say that I forgive you. She's like, I forgive you. I'm like, okay, good. Go back to your little play. Guys, that's just lip service. That's not from the heart. Jesus tells us to forgive from our heart. Now, you might be asking me, well, how do you forgive from the heart? What does that look like? What does that mean? mean? And that is an excellent question. Now, before we address that, though, I want to just talk about something that forgiveness is not. And I think this is important. When you forgive a behavior, it does not mean that you're approving of the behavior. It doesn't mean that you're turning a blind eye to the behavior. You're simply letting go of your right to retaliate or exact revenge on that behavior. Does that make sense? Even though you've forgiven someone for their behavior, they might still have to endure some consequences for what they've done. 
Forgiveness doesn't interfere with that. Forgiveness doesn't step in and say, don't make them pay those consequences. No, it, you can still forgive and let them pay the consequences. Another thing about forgiveness is it doesn't mean that it's necessarily reconciliation. I think a lot of people get confused with that. They think, man, if I forgive this person, that means that now I gotta be friends with them or now I gotta be in a relationship with them. If I forgive my abuser, that means that I gotta reestablish a relationship with my abuser. No, it doesn't. Reconciliation is a whole different thing. Reconciliation requires love, forgiveness, and a change by all the parties that are involved in that situation to be on level ground. That's what's required for reconciliation. In forgiveness, however, it just requires one person choosing to forgive and a God who's already forgiven us. I can forgive my enemies. I can forgive those who mistreat me. I can forgive those who curse me. That doesn't mean I have to be in a relationship with them. Okay? Lastly, forgiving doesn't mean that you have to forget. I think a lot of times we throw that, that statement like, you need to forgive and forget. Well, a lot of times there's been wrongs and some people have been through utter horrific things. And to require that they forget those horrific things, that's just not even possible. You can't do it, but you can forgive those things. Corey Tenboom, you ever heard of her? She was a Jew who, as a little kid, grew up in the concentration camps. And some of the utter horrors that she witnessed before her eyes of people being slaughtered and mistreated and, and, and tortured and all that stuff, she will never forget those things. But I'll tell you, Corey Tenboom has forgiven those people for what they've done. There's a difference. So let's move forward and let's look at what it means to forgive from the heart. How do we forgive from the heart? And like I said, that is a great question. Uh, a great question. Many times people will say they forgive someone and yet they continue to struggle with vengeful emotions towards that person. I, I want to simply say that if that's the case with you, then you have not forgiven that person. Have you ever met someone who will vehemently tell you like, oh yeah, I've totally forgiven that person. Yep, totally, a long time ago I forgave them. And then they proceed to tell you how much they can't stand them and how they're so angry at them and how they wish they could suffer for what they've done. And it seems like that's all they talk about, that's all they think about, making the other person pay. I had one person tell me one time, he goes, oh yeah, I've totally forgiven them. Yep, but I'll tell you, if I ever see them, it's gonna take everything to not put my fist through their face. I'm like, ah... I don't think you've experienced forgiveness there, bud. But you know what? We've all been there, haven't we? I know I have. I might have said the words, but I certainly don't feel it in my heart. I feel like I'm just simply going through the motions, but man, if I start thinking about it, oh. So how do we fix that? Well, here's how. To forgive someone, we must first let go of our anger towards them. Now, here's what I mean. When someone hurts us, we will instantly feel angry. It's natural. It's kind of like a self-protective mechanism. We throw anger out to protect us, but we're warned in Scripture to not let the sun go down on our anger. In other words, we shouldn't let a lot of time go before we choose to let go of that anger, because if we don't let go of that anger, it sets up shop in our hearts. And if it sets up shop in our hearts, it says in Scripture, it gives us a foothold. The enemy gets a foothold in our life, or it sets up a stronghold for the enemy in our life. 
In Ecclesiastes, it says, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. See where it sets up shop? In the heart. Now, that word lodge in the Hebrew, it means we let it into our bosom. We lovingly embrace it. We let it sit in our lap and we wrap our arms around it. In other places, it says it's, that same word is used for a, lover's embrace, a lover embracing her man. And that's what we do with anger. We're like, I love you, anger. You're my little friend and I'm just gonna hold you and you're, you're my little protector and I just got you, you're mine. And then we're gonna be angry at that guy. It's just you and me against them. And we embrace it and we hang on to it. And I'm gonna tell you, without knowing it, what we've done is we've allowed the enemy into our house and the spirit of anger will destroy us. And we can say that we forgive that someone, but we're holding on to our little friend anger. I'm telling you, anger must be eradicated from the heart for true forgiveness to happen. And once that anger is released, I'll tell you something, forgiveness really actually comes pretty easily. So how do we let go of the anger in our heart? Believe it or not, it's actually easier than you might think. The hardest part is where it comes down to the action of our will. The very hardest part is that you must decide that you want the anger gone. Because truth be told, many of us, we don't want the anger gone. Like I said, it's our little friend. And he's, he's helping me. You know, a lot of people will say, that's how I get through the day is with my anger. Anger helps me. Anger strengthens me. Anger empowers me. Guys, let me tell you something. Try to hang on to this for a second. What you can do with anger, you could do far better without. What you could do with anger, you could do far better without. Anger is not your friend. And you have to come to a point where you say, you know what, anger? You are not doing me any good. I'm pushing you off my lap. I'm letting go of my embrace with you. You have been destroying me. You haven't helped me at all. I'm getting rid of you. Now, this may take a little bit to get there because a lot of times when you ask people, you come up to people and say, listen, if Jesus were willing to take your anger from you right now, would you give it to him? And very often, the very first answer they give you is, oh, absolutely, yeah, I just say, yeah. And I'm like, really, would you? Well, I mean, yeah, actually, no. Okay, why not? And often what they will say is, well, if I let go of my anger towards this person, I'm letting them off the hook. And often I'll just say, well, can we defer that to Jesus? Let's just ask Jesus what he has to say about that. Or they'll say, you know what? If I let go of my anger, they may hurt me again. Can we defer that to Jesus? And if you just keep deferring those reasons to Jesus, they eventually come to a point where they're just like, you know what? Yeah, this anger's doing me no good. I need to get rid of it. At that point, what you must do is you must confess your anger to God. Because you've chosen to hang on to it, you've chosen to sin. Because he tells you, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, this is a prayer that I will often pray with the people that I meet with or just dealing with anger myself. I, I pray this often. And I'm not saying that you don't know how to pray, but there are specific words that I will ask people to pray out loud. You may want to take a picture of this. If you're struggling with anger or something, take a picture of this. And this is the prayer I talk to Jesus about. I say, Jesus, I've been angry at this person for a long time. Many times it's from when we were a child. 
We haven't let it go. And I'll explain to him, this is why I'm angry. And I've chosen to hang on to it, and in doing so, I have sinned against you. But I'm done with anger. I don't want anger anymore. I need you to release me from its grip. I need you to set me free from it in the name of Jesus. And when I'm done praying, I allow all that anger to surface. I let it come up and I feel it. And I simply say, God, I'm asking you to let me experience you lift it from me. And you know what? He does. He literally will lift it off of me or lift off anybody I'm I'm meeting with. You know, God says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. Does that involve anger? Yeah, cast it on him. He'll take it. Let him have it. So that's what I do. I let him have my anger. It's like, God, I don't want this. I'm giving it to you. And I will literally feel him lift that anger. I've seen him do it with countless people to where actually physically you see them go, (sighs) like a burden's been lifted off their back. Some of you sitting here today, you've experienced God do that for you. It's a powerful thing. And once that anger is gone from our hearts, we can then forgive that person for what they've done to us. And I'm telling you, it is life-changing. Life-changing. There are many of us in this room or watching online who have harbored unforgiveness towards someone in our lives for a long time. And you're sitting here today and you still haven't forgiven that person who's hurt you in your life. And you feel justified. You, you feel like, man, oh, I justified to keep this saying. You want to make them pay. Forgiving them is the last thing on your mind. If I could grab you by the collar this morning and shake you, I want to encourage you, don't go another day without it. Forgive the person. Forgive them. Let go of the claims for revenge that you have against them. Release the debt that they've incurred against you. Forgive them. Let go of the anger that has taken up lodging in your heart. Let go of that little friend anger that supposedly is your friend, but actually what it's doing is taking a dagger and it's just peppering your heart and ripping you to shreds. Let it go. Confess it and let God lift it and do it today. Remember, guys, remember everything God has forgiven us. Guys, we're murderers. We're adulterers. We're liars. We're deceivers. We're fakers. And God forgives us. We're proud. We're angry. We're lustful. We're vengeful. We're hateful. We're perverted people. And God has forgiven us. We've damaged so many people by our actions in our life, and yet God has forgiven us. The absolute natural step that we must take is to forgive those who've harmed us. If we don't, God will not forgive us. It's that simple. Now, why do we even do this? Why do we go through the actions of letting go of the anger and forgiving others? I'll tell you why, because God tells us to. And if we choose not to forgive others, God will not forgive us. That should be reason enough. But I tell you, there's another reason. Because the more and more you let go of your anger that you've had for so long, and the more and more you forgive others, you're going to find that it's easier and easier and easier to live a life of forgiveness. And let me tell you, a life of forgiveness is a life of freedom. Amen? 
you will start to understand why this is the culture of the kingdom of God. Our God, out of his immense compassion for us, forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. It's natural for him. And he expects us to show the same kind of compassion to others and forgive and forgive and forgive them. So guys, the Father does it. Jesus does it. So guess who else should do it? Us. So let's do it. Let's image God by imitating Jesus. Amen? Here's your homework for this week. I'd encourage you to get your journal and ask the Holy Spirit if there's anyone in your life that you've not forgiven. You're gonna find that there's probably some people in our life that we've just kind of, we've suppressed, we've pushed down, I just don't wanna think about them. But ask him. And when he reveals that person or persons, write them down in your journal. Now guys, don't then go, well thank you God for revealing that, put the journal away for two years and like, I'll deal with that in 2025. No, without delay, start releasing that anger stored up in your hearts. Keep going to God and saying, God, this is why I don't wanna let go. Can I defer this question to you? Can I defer, you know, talk to him about it. But let God lift that anger from you and then choose to forgive them. Release that, that what you owe of, of revenge that you legitimately have. And write out a prayer of forgiveness towards that person and then pray it out loud. Ask God not to hold their sins against them. And when you do that, guess who you look like? You look like Jesus hanging on that cross, amen? That's who we're to look like. In a few moments, we're gonna, I'm gonna pray for you and then after the prayer, there's some people that will be standing up here. And uh, if there's any of you guys who are struggling with this and you just feel like, man, there's this person in my life or persons who I do not want. I'm so angry at them. I will never let go of this anger. If you're there, I'd encourage you to come up and ask them to pray that God would supernaturally begin to break down that, that wall, break down that barrier that's preventing you. I'm telling you that anger is your enemy. The spirit of anger will destroy you. Don't go another day without it, okay? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just being such a forgiving God. Jesus, thank you for being a forgiving God. And God, we want to imitate you. We want to look like you. So I pray for this Whitestone family that we would become forgiving people, that it would be part of our culture, part of our personality, part of who we are because we follow you. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Let it be so. Amen. Guys, love you very, very much. Um, those of you who'd like to be prayed for, come on up. We'd love to have you.